Welcome to Sense You Asked, a podcast where we have authentic conversations built around your questions on life, biblical Christianity, and occasionally completely random topics. Now here's your hosts, Ben Farley and Ben Van Hyden. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to Since You Asked. My name is Ben Farley. I am your co-host alongside my co-host, Ben Van Heining. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. I noticed uh, the welcome back. It's really kind of fun to think about. This is our second podcast. Yeah, I, I made the mistake. I think I was just wishful thinking that we would get to this point. Uh, in episode one, I welcomed everyone back. Well, you can't really welcome someone back to something they've never been before. Sure. Uh, so now we can officially say, welcome back. Yeah. Um, this is episode two. Uh, let's start with this. We want to say thank you to all of you who have shared this podcast, who have left us a rating, who have given us a review. We were absolutely blown away at the reception to the first episode. Uh, we hope you enjoy that. We hope to give you something fun, something light, but also something to consider um, something to further um, your relationship with Christ, to, to answer your questions, because everybody's got them. And so I hope you found what we did last week worthwhile and worthy of your time. So we appreciate you taking the time out to do that. If you would, whatever platform you're listening on today, would you give us a rating uh, preferably a five-star rating. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that would want less than that. So if you want to give us a five-star rating, give us a five-star. If you got a four-star or three-star in mind, don't waste your time. Move along. There are other podcasts out there yeah, that share, might be worthy of that. Correct. But, right. and, and share this with somebody who you think would give us a five-star rating or leave us just a glowing review. But in all seriousness, that gives our podcast more visibility, rises on the charts. There's something like three million podcasts yeah. in the podcast index. I have to think we're in the top 2.5 million at this point. 2.5 to 2.2 million. Yeah. I mean, at least let's shoot high. That's yeah. Uh, if you're going among the top two and a half million people out there, that's a lot. Cause you it's know, 8 billion people in the world. Exactly. So they, we're heading towards stardom is what we're, 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 we're kind of leading towards. The charts. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, the way it works. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Thank you for listening. Um, last week we started this podcast with something that kind of resonated with a lot of you because all of us face the pressures of this. Uh, today is the national day of something. In fact, every day is the national day of something, and it creates a lot of pressure for you and I to either one, celebrate that, or celebrate somebody who would fall under that category. And yeah. so today, as we sit here recording, it is Tuesday, May 10th. Ben, Tuesday, May 10th is national day of... There's a few. Last week, there was quite a list of things that, and again, how do you keep track of all of that? And how do you, or how are you able to, you know, file all that away? But today happens to be National Washington Day. Wow. So uh, celebrating the state of Washington, that's right. uh, something that, that could be significant. If you enjoy Pacific Ocean views, yeah. mountains, uh, Twilight, the Twilight <laughs> series filmed right there in Washington. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Happens to be a huge uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs fan, Gross. and uh, right, uh, they um, they are right there in the state of Washington. So celebrate today with those who maybe are from the state of Washington or want to visit there someday, and invite them to listen to since you asked. That how cool would it be that if we found someone who's listening that's living in the state of Washington? Today? Well, it's not out of the question because you really think that a podcast is going to reach 
just the certain locality that you're recording in. And by and large, that was true for the first episode. But we also have expanded into the Chicago market. Yeah. We had listeners in Chicago. We had listeners in Brussels, Belgium, Lyon, France. Wow. And somewhere else, somewhere else overseas. It was just crazy. Yeah. Maybe they stumbled upon it. I don't know. But regardless. Hey, stumble away. Yeah. We love that. We Stumble I mean, in and stay for the stumble conversation. Stumble and stay. I love Brussels sprouts. So, I mean, if you're listening in Brussels, thank you for yeah, that. Right. And for, so, yeah, also today happens to be a day that I've been preparing for for a long time. Uh, and that is the National Clean Up Your Room Day. I'm going to replace the word room with office uh, and desk area today. That's a discipline that uh, I'm going to start taking on once a week and just really cleaning things up. So I really appreciate today being National Clean Up Your Room and Office Day. Well, it's only right that you celebrate that. And by extension, it's only right that my kids celebrate that today. Man. Uh, we We will be celebrating that at our house. Celebrating is a word I could see happening with all the uh, screaming and crying that might occur. I was going to say, they won't be thrilled about this celebration. Yeah, it will not be an enjoyable celebration, but uh, a little ice cream from Dad later after it's clean might be a celebration. Well, and that leads in perfectly to the next National Day. I would agree with that. The the second part of National Celebrate Day is National Lipid Day. Which is what? I think I knew what a lipid was. A lipid is just something that's in your blood. Uh, it, It has to do with your cholesterol and your fat. In your blood, um, and it's really trying to bring an awareness to what is called dyslipidemia. And I've practiced pronouncing that word <laughs> this morning. So, I, if I if a nurse is listening or uh, someone's listening that knows better how to pronounce that, let us know. But dyslipidemia essentially is just the amount of cholesterol and fat, uh, an abnormal amount of that in your blood. So today is essentially National High Cholesterol Day. Yeah. Or or it could be low cholesterol oh, day. Okay. It could be a, it just says it's an abnormal amount. So it doesn't say it's high or low. Oh. But it could cause real problems. It, in fact, um in a little serious note here it says that uh, it's one of the leading causes of cardiovascular disease worldwide. So wow. so this is not a celebration. We're not celebrating the fact that you have high or low cholesterol. <laughs> right. Get it together. Yeah. Like we're bringing awareness to you. Right. And so you uh, observe National Lipid Day by reducing your risk. Take a walk. It okay. says increase okay. your physical activity. Uh, talk to your doctor. Uh, eat some leafy greens. Hmm. You know, who who doesn't need more leafy greens in their in their diet. So I think it's an important distinction. The problem I have with it is it's right before national eat whatever you want day. That is tomorrow. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do we have that backwards? You know, that's kind of the typical uh, American philosophy of dieting. I'm going to yeah. go hot and heavy today yeah. and and do really well. Yeah, but tomorrow I'm going to eat whatever the heck I want. Yeah. So yeah, these two go hand in hand. Yeah. Fat Tuesday. Now... You got to fast on Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that you're not wrong about that. So, so, but also along with that, today is National Shrimp Day. Oh, I, I love shrimp. I don't know if that means we're supposed to celebrate shrimp or eat by eating them or celebrate them by doing something else, but it doesn't really feel like the shrimp would be celebrated that much. Not much. But no. we can celebrate by eating those. So I, I'm a big fan of shrimp. Um, and now as we record this, we are, uh, we're Midwestern middle class, kind of redneck people. And for us, the one of the highest class places that you can go 
is Red Lobster. Yeah. That is, oh, good. that's like special. You yeah. know, you're going on date night. You want to oppress a lady, yeah. oppress a guy. You take them, you take them to Red Lobster. Yeah. Now on the yeah. menu, there's one particular dish that is especially extravagant. And it is my favorite. And actually, it has its own national day. It tells you how good this dish is. And of course, I'm talking about shrimp scampi. Mm. Have you had the shrimp scampi at Red Lobster? It may be my favorite thing. They they actually have a shrimp scampi that they then put in with uh, linguine. Oh, and then they throw it on top of their famous garlic mashed potatoes. Oh, my. And you talk about... Lipid day. Oh, it's no wonder these go hand in hand. You better be checking your lipids in the next <laughs> few days because your lipids are going sky high after eating that meal. But yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it is so good. I, you know, there's all kinds, and I didn't know this until I read about it a little bit. That Americans eat more shrimp than any other seafood. So it is America's seafood. It is. I, I believe that. Yeah. Now, let's. I don't want to get away from this. Let's go back to the shrimp scampi for a second. Yeah, yeah. I can't get this off my yeah, mind. Yeah, that now. butter and after all we that, record, uh, we may need to to head an hour south and go go get some. Yeah. But shrimp scampi is like a couple of courses in one meal. So what happens is they bring this little platter, and at first you look at it and you're like, "This is it." Yeah. You know, I got sh- yeah. six shrimp in this little bitty bowl, and I paid one hundred and seventeen dollars for it. <laughs> but then you dive in, and, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, and you yeah. blow through the shrimp really quick because there's not a whole lot. But then what you do is you've got a second course with all of the garlic and the butter that is amassed on your fingers. It, yeah. It's like when you stick your fingers in candle wax yeah. and take it out. It hardens after a while. So you've got a second course <laughs> to that. Then comes the final kind of the the capper of this dish. You've got those... Red Lobster Cheddar Biscuits, Mm. which are just phenomenal, Mm -hmm. speaking of high cholesterol day. Mm. But you take those, and you soak up the garlic butter and eat those. Yeah. It's just, gosh, I I don't know of anything better for a Midwestern middle-class person. (laughs) I don't even know, like, uh, where would be the closest, now that we're... Now that we're talking about this, I mean, I know there's there used to be one in Fairview Heights. There's maybe one in Carbondale. I think there's one in Marion. Marion. Yeah. So we've got a you've got to work for this. You've yeah. got an yeah. hour, hour and a half drive, regardless. So yeah. You've got plenty of time to think about it, prepare yourself for that, salivate. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just it's just phenomenal. One of one of God's great gifts. Yeah. The, the only problem is you got to walk home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because. You know, again, if you're going to do that high-calorie, high-fat content, you better walk home to burn all that off Absolutely. to avoid that cardiovascular disease that they're talking about. That we're so, celebrating today. Yeah, celebrating so. all this. Wow. So those are the days. Uh, these are the national days today. Make sure you celebrate one or all of those, yeah. uh, whatever you, you decide. But, Ben, i got to be honest with you. This morning started a little rough for me. Mm. Uh, it, it's been a rough morning. I've been a little anxious. I've been out of sorts. Um, so every Tuesday morning, I have a standing 5 a.m. breakfast meeting uh, with a guy in our church. Uh, it's the only time both of us can can make it. He's got to work. I've got to work. So And I've got kids to, to help get ready. 5 a.m. is when we meet for breakfast. I, I'm getting older, and what that means is that at least once a night, I have to get up and go to the bathroom. It's just, it's going to happen. 
So last night, I remember getting up around 11.45, midnight, thinking it was like 4 a.m. I don't know why. If I was sleepwalking, whatever. Looked at my watch. It's only 11.45. That's the last of my memory. I don't remember even using the bathroom, much less what happened next. At some point, I went back to bed, and I got a phone call from Sam, the guy I was supposed to meet this morning, at 5.20, asking if I was still asleep. And I was like, well... Not anymore. Mm. And, I, and I just woke up in a panic. I looked at my phone and I had reset my alarm, which was set for 4 a.m., to 6.15. I have zero, zero recollection of that. I either did it sleepwalking, I did it subconsciously. All that to say, Sam, I'm sorry. I missed breakfast this morning. Yeah. I apologize if you're listening to this. But it got me thinking of other things that I've done kind of subconsciously that after you do them, you just have to laugh at yourself because you're like, I am a moron. What was I thinking when I did this? Yeah. So let me give you an example, and then I'm going to ask you for one as well. Uh, The other day, I, so we have a three-month-old son, four months, actually four months old tomorrow, who is breastfeeding. And so my wife has, she works, and so she pumps. And and so we've got, we've got a supply of milk everywhere around the house, it feels like. So my wife asked me to grab one of the bottles out of the refrigerator. This was in the morning. In one hand, I had a permission slip for, I believe it was my daughter's field trip. And so I went, I grabbed the bottle, brought it out. We went about our day. We're getting ready to to get the kids off to school. And my wife asked me where the permission slip is. We can't find it anywhere. Last thing I remember was going to the fridge, so I thought, well, I'm going to open that up. I opened it up, and I had exchanged the milk for the permission slip. I had set it in the refrigerator, and it got me thinking, what what goes through my head? Yeah. What was I thinking when this happened? And clearly, I wasn't. So, Ben, what is something that you've done subconsciously that you have to look back and be like, what in the world was I doing? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's one that just, I mean, if one stands out over any of the others, because it, <laughs> it seems to happen to me so frequently that I have I have sometimes what I think my grandpa or my grandma one called scatterbrain. Uh, but I will do things like uh, carry a, a cup of coffee somewhere that's that I just filled up. I will leave it, sit it down to do something. And then go do on the rest of my day, and I don't. I didn't remember that I sat it there. Uh, I have left it on the roof of a car. I did that with a brand new iPad once. Uh, I sat it up on the roof of the vehicle. Um, fortunately, I had it in like a cover, yep. so it had just enough grip on it that it made it all the way from Florida Xenia. Um, that it didn't slide off onto the concrete and shatter everywhere. I, I think it's stuff like that. We have kind of trained our kids just out of a safety, uh, to lock our doors as you go in and out. And there are a lot of times when I'll lock the door and then lock one of them out or they'll lock me out or we'll all get locked out and somebody's climbing through a window. So I think that it's not the one that just stands out. It's kind of a culmination of things that I do a lot. Well, I wish I didn't have so many examples, but (laughs) probably the most egregious one that I've done was actually a couple weeks ago. And I still look back and think, what was going through my head when this happened? And clearly it was nothing. So I live in a neighborhood uh, that's off the highway, um, really, really nice neighborhood, really pretty. We love it there. We got a couple ponds. And what that means is we got a lot of ducks and, and geese that are around. 
when it rains, those ducks come out of the pond and, and they're kind of going through everybody's yards. I don't know if they're eating. I don't know what they're doing, but they're walking through the yards. Well, the other day, I think it was, I was going home for lunch and I was driving through our neighborhood, got close to the turnoff to my driveway, and I noticed some ducks just beyond my driveway. So I would have turned and, and wouldn't have hit them or anything, but they were just beyond. In that moment, I put on my turn signal. And I turned, and then the second I got done turning and was in my driveway, I thought, there was no other cars around me. I thought, I just used my turn signal for a group of ducks who have no concept of, oh, okay, hey, guys, don't worry about getting out of the way. He's turning. Right. But it just, I wasn't even thinking subconsciously I used my turn signal for ducks. So, yeah, you know. See, I would laugh, but I know that life. Yeah. I totally get that. Your brain is somewhere else. You you just subconsciously do the thing that you always would do. Those ducks might as well have been a semi truck. Might as well. Have, might yeah. as well have been a walking pedestrian. Somebody that, and you were just trying to inform them of what you're doing. Mind over matter. I don't know what the muscle memory that happens there, but I treated with them with the same vehicular courtesy yeah. that I would of a person. So yeah. you know, and whoever you're. Driver's ed teacher, they should be proud yeah, well. that they trained you at the day, you know, to use your signal in all... Even for wildlife. In every circumstance, yeah. So, you know, there's there's some issues going on, yeah. uh, I guess, with yeah, me. But, uh, no, that that's going to kind of a lighthearted segue into uh, kind of a tough topic today. Yeah. One of the things that, especially over the last two years, that we have been more and more aware of in the church and really just in society as a whole, is the idea that there is a mental health crisis. Yeah. And I don't know if it's gotten worse. I don't know if it's just gotten more visible. It's brought to the forefront. But mental health is an issue. You know, we don't want to take the standpoint of, oh, this is nothing. It's all in your head. Even uh, It's a pun. But even though you know it, it is a very real thing, we don't want to make light of it. And so today... The question that we've gotten from one of our listeners is, how should a Christian approach the mental health issue? And, and so uh, let, let's talk about that this morning. How should we approach mental health? Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is a real thing. Uh, I think that the one thing that we have to be careful with um, is recognizing that it is an illness, uh, just like any other physical illness you may have and go to the doctor for, we, we want to acknowledge that, that this is a real thing. Uh, one in four adults, actually, uh, statistics say, uh, will experience real health issues, real mental health issues in their lifetime. Uh, and so this is not something that we can, as a church or as leaders or even as a community of people, uh, ignore or, or, or um, make light of. Or, or even teach in an inappropriate way right. that would cause people to be more depressed and or yeah. more uh, have more problems with that uh, issue in their life. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that by and large, the church for a long time has done a disservice to people dealing with mental health issues. And the reality is, once you hear the statistics that one in four American adults are dealing with mental health, yeah. you realize that this isn't a fringe issue. This is right smack dab in the middle of our church 
your church, if you if you don't attend ours, uh, the the people around you or you yourself yeah. are suffering with mental illness. Now, let me just say this: there is a wide range of mental health issues from from depression, um, from something like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. So there, there's a wide variety of issues that have a varying level of severity and consequences from yeah. that. So so I think what we're not going to try to do is dive into the minutia of every single issue, but rather just kind of give you our take, uh, uh, not just our take, a biblical take yeah. on mental health but also just call some awareness to the fact that the church, by and large, has done a fairly poor job yeah. of addressing this and, and comforting those who suffer with it, which we see yep. is a large, large number of people. Yeah, I think the mistake that is made so often is we either oversimplify the issue or we try to be too complex in our approach. Because let's be honest, you and I are not experts in schizophrenia or paranoia or or even really of the other kind of mental or the the medical side or the clinical side of that so I w- we would in no way want to do that uh, to, to a disservice yeah. um, and I would encourage people I know that we may say this a couple times but if you are suffering from mental illness of some kind don't let that go right. you know definitely seek out mental or me- uh, medical help and and seek out someone who can help you with those things. Um, because those, it's not something to ignore or I can grit my teeth and get better kind of thing. So I think that the church has done a disservice on both ends of that. Right. We've tried too hard to oversimplify, but we've also tried to help people in a way that it's not helpful. Right. Yeah. And the irony of that is none of us in ministry would hesitate to point a person suffering suffering from a physical ailment yeah. to go and seek medical attention. Yeah. Does it mean we won't pray with them? Does it mean we won't pray for them throughout that time? Absolutely not. Of course we will. Yeah. But we would encourage them. Uh, we call Jesus the great physician, but that doesn't mean that we would say, because he is, don't use these good, inst- by and large, good institutions that God has given us yeah. to seek a remedy to that. So none of us would hesitate from saying, yeah, you need to go get the scene about. Yeah. But there's a, a weird dichotomy where when we approach the issue of mental illness, that's not where we go. Right. So let me give you just a personal experience, because I don't want you to think that we're talking about this without us having dealt with it as well. Um, I have had... In, in the past, and, and it kind of rears its head up every once in a while, some pretty severe anxiety issues. Um, it, it stems from some different wounds in my past, and I know that, but it presents itself in very real physical symptoms. Yeah. I can remember, ironically, we talked about Red Lobster earlier. I can remember, like, oh, it was probably nine years ago, my wife and I were, were eating with uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law at Red Lobster, and I had been dealing with a, a death in our family, and I had not handled it well. But it had just it had just inflamed this anxiety within me, and this was some time after. And I remember for months, I thought I had like colon cancer, stomach issues, severe ulcers, like something bad is going on. And it came to a head that night at Red Lobster. And 
I, my wife took me to the hospital. I had a bunch of tests and it came back all clear. And we realized this is anxiety presenting itself in a very, very real way. Now, the time I suffered from this idea that if I'm a Christian, I don't suffer from mental health. What's wrong with my faith? What's wrong with me? And it, it wasn't until actually much later, up until like the present time that I realized I've got to get help with this. I started to feel that creeping up again, and, and I'm not ashamed to, to say it on this. Uh, I'm in therapy or, or counseling, whatever you want to call it yep. now. Um, once a week, I meet with uh, online with a woman named Karen. She's a licensed, uh, clin- uh, a licensed clinical counselor, uh, has done wonders. Uh, she is awesome. So I, I guess I would start by saying this, don't wait. Yeah. The reality of mental illness is not that it is because you have sinned or done something wrong. Now, sin can certainly exasperate that or make it worse, but the reality is, kind of goes where we were last week, we live in a fallen world. So because of that, our body is decaying, we see the effects on our physical bodies, we see the effects on our minds, but somehow in the church we've separated this to say, well, yeah, of course our bodies are going to physically Mm -hmm. decay and physically suffer, but we draw the line and say, "But, but as Christians you shouldn't suffer mentally, and that's just not true and it's not helpful. It's not true. It's not helpful. And and really, when you even look at just the Scripture itself, the Scripture itself is full of references of people who are downcast, people who are uh, feel separated from God, who, who feel as though their life has come to an end. Um, the psalmist, uh, the writers of Psalms, of the Psalms, are just over and over and over again, there are times when they use language like, my feet are... Are, are are tired my my mind is lost I I feel like the water is up to my neck I feel and and sometimes we we forget that the Bible is not the prescription for happiness and gladness all throughout there are occasions when the Bible is people who are writing people who are being written about uh, are suffering from uh, all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, difficult moments, and um, so I think that one of the biggest things that has been my experience in in the church itself is that people oftentimes encounter uh, a community that is, um, they believe at least, that is not going to be accepting of their weakness, mm-hmm. that we're afraid as a society, and I think the last two years you mentioned that, but I think the last two years have really helped that cause, is that I think people feel like they're going to be judged somehow, or they feel like they're going to be talked about, or set aside, or or made to feel even weirder, because now we have to overreact right. uh, to that, and I think that we... We just have to keep reminding people that this is a community of broken people. We're all broken. We all have our issues, and you're you're in a safe place to be able to say, "I'm sad today," or "I'm struggling," or "I'm suffering," uh, and I need my people. I need this community of people to be here to lift me up. I mean, otherwise, why does the New Testament have 59 different references to the one another? Uh, concept of things is that we come together to to lift one another up, to encourage one another, to 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 teach one another, to love one another. 
Um, and I think sometimes what you said is right is that we're sometimes we're just uh, we're too we're too fearful that either one God doesn't accept us the way we are because we've br- we're broken somehow, mm-hmm. or that the people of God will not accept us either. Right. And that is a real that's a real sticking point for a lot of people. They want to stay um, anonymous. They want to feel like they they're. W- w- and what you end up with is a bunch of people who are just faking it, walking around, right. who who aren't sharing their burdens and aren't having their burdens shared, yep. uh, and that that just exacerbates the problem and yep. makes it worse. Well, I think the church has to be a place where now I I'm going to use a Christian cliche or catchphrase, and I'll just be honest, I don't like. In fact, I despise most of those because I think they're cheesy and sometimes they're devoid of the heart behind them. Yeah. But one of the phrases that we hear a lot is, it's okay not to be okay. I don't like that on its face, just because it's a cl- yep. Christian cliche, and I tend to uh, tend to rebel against those. But what I will say is that is 100% true. Yep. We don't need to be a people that have it all together. In fact, if we look at Scripture, we're not fooling anybody, because Scripture has laid out all have fallen short of the glory of God, which what that means is nobody's got it all together. Yeah. The issues may look different. The the sin or their nature may look different, but nobody's got it all together. That's why the gospel is so relevant. That's why it's so powerful, because it applies to everyone. Nobody's got it all together. Yeah. But let's just use a, a real-life example here. On the basis of the statistics that one in four American adults suffer from mental illness— we had 400 people here on Sunday here at, at our campus. What that means, for those of you who were, are falling into this trap of, I'm alone, I'm the only one dealing with yeah. this, statistically speaking, 100 people are suffering from a mental illness that were just here in our building this past Sunday. Yeah. You're not alone. You're yeah. not alone in this. Yeah. You're not alone uh, in this. You're not alone... Um, when you are uh, alone, when it's just you in your car, when it's just, you know, even you, you know, in your bed before you get out of the bed in the morning to face the day, you're not alone because God uh, promises throughout Scripture from the beginnings to the end of what we read there is that God is constantly with us, that he's he doesn't leave us, he doesn't forsake us, as the, you know, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 10 promises he doesn't he doesn't turn his back on us uh, just because we are struggling and in fact I think there's uh, a good bit of scripture that helps to indicate to us that he uh, is he, he tries to draw closer to us that he wants us to draw closer to him I I, I this one of the articles uh, that we were that I was reading to kind of get prepared uh, for this really indicated that that was that was really true that the 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 fact that I feel uh, alone one grieves God's heart he wants you to recognize his presence he wants to you to feel him here with you but at the same time he also wants you to reach out and acknowledge him the Christian people who deal with mental illness, have two major advantages. One, that God's always here, that he never leaves, forsakes us, but that the, the church is a constant reminder that we're just we're all in this together and that we can get each other through just about anything that's happening in our lives. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to take this 
from the um, less clinically severe standpoint, because I'll just be honest, I don't have a lot of experience in dealing with things like bipolar disorder, the schizophrenic. I, I don't really know all the nuances of that. But for the vast majority of those who deal with mental illness, it presents itself in uh, anxiety. It, it presents itself in a severe form of depression. I think one of the key things that we have to remember is that our feelings can lie to us. Yeah, absolutely. So as we're in the middle of that, it's important to remind ourselves that our feelings are not often facts. I know when I'm in the depths of dealing with anxiety or depression, it clouds my view of the world around me. Everything looks worse. The the dealings I have with people, I always look at it in the worst light. I always think people are thinking certain things that the reality is they're probably not even thinking of me. Yeah. I've just got this in my head. And so I think it's important for us to come to this conclusion that in the middle of dealing with these mental illnesses, I have a very clouded judgment of reality. And so I need to make sure that I'm separating fact from fiction. And so it's it's important to remind ourselves that faith, our faith in God, is not based on feelings. In fact, we're in a series on Hebrews 11, and we're walking through different heroes of the faith the reality of those heroes is that their faith was based on something that they couldn't see. Mm-hmm. So this coming week, I'm going to preach on Noah, and God had had given him this command to build an ark because a flood was coming. Think about this from Noah's perspective. One, this is a huge ask. Two, he's also told that something is coming in the form of rain. Now, there's also the the earth springing forth water, but rain would be falling from the sky as as we know it. Noah had never seen that. Right. And so here's something that you can't conceive of, something that's going to happen that you just kind of have to trust that I'm going to keep my promises. And I think it's important for those of us who are struggling with mental illness to remind ourselves of the promises of God. Yeah. Um, that, that promise does not mean those promises are only there if you feel good, if you aren't suffering with mental illness, in fact, you look at the Psalms, and Ben, you alluded to this earlier, most of the Psalms are actually Psalms of lament, Yeah, Psalms of life's not going great. I mean, there's there's three examples that I can think of. Psalm 25, 16, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm 42, 5, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And then he says this, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. And so the reality of these laments is that it is, it's based in fact, not feeling. It's saying, here's how I feel, but I know the truth yeah. that God is faithful and God is worthy to be praised, even if I don't feel it in this moment. Yeah. Psalm 139, uh, famous, you know, for the scripture of, you know, that says, you created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Because of you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But I had not really read the psalm again for a long time and went back to that. Verse 11 of that scripture says, of Psalm 139 says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, 
even the darkness will not be dark to you. And he's talking to God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So in 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 my perception of my situation, it may be that it's bleak and dark and difficult, but it's not to God. Right. That he is still guiding our path. He is still present. He's still here with us and taking care of us. So in spite of our own feelings... Uh, that's good, and and really the the import one of the most important keys again goes going back to the advantages as Christians that we have in the midst of our mental health issues is that we do have the church, yeah. that we do have a friend um, that we should be calling on those around us like uh, having an accountability partner or something somebody to 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 keep us going to call us when we're down to to be able to call and say would you go for a walk. Uh, on a walk with me, could, could I could I just tell you some things that are in my gut and on my heart right now? Um, and and if so, so often when we get like this, we pull away, right. and we tend to want to block people out, and because that makes it easier for us to be able to, I think, not one reveal that we're terribly weak and and thinking weird thoughts and doing and wanting to do weird things because of those weird thoughts. But it also, we do that so that we can um, remain in those thoughts right. <laughs> oftentimes. And so what God, uh, what I think we're encouraged to do through the Scripture is to look for someone that, that can help us, yeah. that can speak truth, that can show love, that can come alongside. And I think that's, that's an important factor for me in general, uh, or me specifically, and I know for most people in general, they need that. Right. So as we wrap up this episode, let's give those listening a couple of things to consider or a couple of practical things that you can implement. Now, I'm not for five tips to rid yourselves of depression. No, the reality is... It's harder than that. It's harder than that. And this is a very real issue. So nowhere in Scripture are we promised that by having faith in Jesus, we will be rid of all these things. In fact... This is one of the most damaging things that I think uh, certain sections of the church have done, have said that, well, this is a faith issue, and if you would have enough faith, then you wouldn't have these thoughts. That does nobody any good, because nowhere in Scripture is that the reality. Mm -mm. I mean, again, you go back to Psalms, and you see David or the other writers of the Psalms are dealing with very, very real emotions. And so I don't think it does anybody any favors to say, well, if you had enough faith, right. this wouldn't be your reality. No, that's garbage. Right. So rid that of your thought process. But there are a couple things that you can remind yourselves of or yeah. a couple things that you can do to help this. It's not going to get rid of it totally, but it is something practically that you can do. And I, I think the first one is this. Remind yourself of who Christ is. Yeah. Um, we have a Savior in Jesus Christ that understands us, that understands the pitfalls, the desires, the troubles that come with humanity. Yeah. One of my favorite stories is John chapter 11, and it's the moment when Jesus goes and is visiting Lazarus uh, and Mary and Martha, his close friends, upon hearing the news that Lazarus has died. And there's a unique moment that often gets overlooked when it says that Jesus weeps. I think this gets overlooked because, first of all, think about why Jesus came. 
Jesus came for the redemption of humanity and ultimately the restoration of all things. He knows that for Lazarus, life is not going to end in this moment. Right. He knows. It, so, so he could be justified in being callous to this and not having the emotions because like, why are you crying? I came to restore you anyways. This isn't a big deal. But no, he empathizes with Mary and Martha upon Lazarus' yeah. death. And it says he weeps. He experiences emotion. And so we have a Savior who cares, yeah. who, who can empathize with our weakness and empathize with the pitfalls of humanity. Yeah. So, so start there. Um, and then what are, some, what are some other practical things that you can do? Yeah, I think, again, it might be the, the Jesus answer in another, in another circumstance or in a conversation. We might just say, you, you might roll your eyes and say, well, of course that's what you're going to say because you're a preacher. But, but, you know, Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And a lot of times we use that in regards to um, what is what do we need to do to receive salvation? You know, we use that scripture as a part of that five step process to becoming a Christian, and I and I think that's okay because I do think that's that qualifies for that and helps us to understand that. But I do think that sometimes we need to remind ourselves that God's truth speaks into our lives when we don't really ex- we we may not expect it to. Again, our tendency is to withdraw. And to say I'm gonna just leave this thing alone, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna seek outside help. But the simple fact is that God's word can be a real encouragement to you. Uh, go getting up and going ahead and going to church, where you experience community and you hear the word of God preached and you sing songs. One of the articles you shared with me was so interesting because it was a, a woman suffering from depression and difficult uh, days. And her and her minister, they were discussing it, and she said something to the effect of, I like coming to your church because you let me live in my depression. You let me be depressed. Yeah. You don't You don't try to talk me out of it. You let me sing songs about it. Yeah. You help me experience God's Word through it. I know I'm depressed. I know I have this issue, but how does God speak to me in that depression? How does God bring faith and bolster my faith when I feel like my faith is is really suffering. And so I think the one one of the things that would be really helpful uh, is for us to just keep seeking God's Word. How does God's Word speak to me in this season of life that I'm in? Because last time I ch- seasons of life changed, I went and sought God's Word, and it informed me. There's no di- nothing to say that it wouldn't do that for you during this time. Again, I know that's a simple thing, um, so I would, I would encourage you to find one of us, you know, comment in the comments below. Where can I look for those kinds of encouragements? We can share those things with you. I think that's one of the things. Uh, share with one another. Uh, ask a friend. What was the last time you read something that was really encouraging to you or that really spoke to your heart uh, through this issue? I think that's one thing that I would encourage people to do. Yeah. The glory and the greatness of God is not diminished by your mental state in the moment. Yeah. And I speak that I'm speaking that to myself too. What you are going through does not diminish the greatness of God. Remind yourself of that now, so that when those times happen, or if you're in those now, remember who God is, and that comes through pouring into His Word. The last thing, somewhat practical, is this: get outside. Yeah. For me, depression makes me want to hole up 
close the curtains, shut myself off from the world, turn my phone off, or at least ignore everyone who reaches out, uh, fight against that. Uh, I, John Piper puts it this, this way, give sunshine to the soul. Um, there is a clear connection between uh, our bodies and, and getting those out and moving and the state of our mental health. So fight against that. Get outside, view creation, and, and just go walk, go sit, go have some coffee uh, outside as you watch the sunrise or, or the sunset, whatever it is for you, but get outside and move, however much or however little that is. Charles Spurgeon, uh, one of the greatest preachers that the church would kind of look to, uh, was actually dealing with severe depression for a lot of his life. You wouldn't know that just reading his books, but, but here's something that he says about just getting out in creation. He says, A day's breathing of fresh air upon the hills, or a few hours ramble in the beech woods, unbrageous calm, would sweep the cobwebs out of the brain of scores of our toiling ministers who are now but half alive. A mouthful of sea air or a stiff walk in the wind's face would not give grace to the soul, but it would yield oxygen to the body, which is the next best. Yeah. Remind yourself of who God is, get out in his creation, yeah. and we can walk this journey in mental health together. Yeah. It's so amazing that that he says, you know, a breath of sea salt air or whatever he, he worded that. I, I, I recently got a, a fishing boat and I went out not that long ago with a friend. He's kind of teaching me how to to navigate the boat. And it's it is a wonder what it will do to have you sitting in the sun. Uh, experiencing the breeze that's blowing, taking in the nature of God, and just being able to to take a deep breath and know that there's there's something better than my inner self. There's there's something beyond that that thing that I do to myself, or really that thing that Satan does to me yeah. in beating me up. There's a better way to think. There's a better way to live, and and I, I need to seek God and His and His goodness and His nature and His word. Uh, and without that, I, I I think that was so interesting too that you mentioned that that um, so much of what we do uh, and so much of the difficult we have, if we would just really turn back to Jesus, just a relationship with Him, it all hinges right there. That's where we have to start. It, again, it's not that that's going to be the cure all. Uh, he, he is the cure all, but it's not that that's a magic fix. There's a real relationship that he wants to have with you and a real faith that he wants you to demonstrate in him. Um, but it starts there. It starts with reaching out to him and letting him heal you uh, mentally, physically, and all other ways. Jesus is holding you together even though it feels like you're falling apart. You may feel like you're walking in the darkness, but he is the light. And when you feel like your grip on your life has loosened, his grip will never. Yeah. Hey, we hope this encourages you. If you want to reach out, you can email us, uh, ben at christchurch.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-S, church.com. If you've got questions that you want us to answer in future episodes, go ahead and send those to that email. Also, again, make sure to like, uh, to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and leave us a very nice and pleasant review. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next time on Since You Asked. Thanks for listening to Send to Ask. Join us next time as we tackle more of your burning questions.